0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Mike Malatesta. On this podcast, I dig in deep with every guest to get to the roots of their success, to discover not just how it happened, but why it matters. My mission is to expose the ideas and clues you need to inspire, activate, and maximize the greatness in you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the How'd It Happen podcast. I am excited to have you here and I'm excited to have my guest here because I have another amazing success story for you. I've got Brittany Anderson on the show with me today. Brittany, welcome to the show.
1: Hello and thank you, Mike. I'm really looking forward to this too.
0: So let me tell you about uh, Brittany so you can get as excited as I am. So Brittany is the president and shareholder of a top-ranked financial services firm called Sweet Financial Partners in Minneapolis? It's in Minnesota, right?
1: Uh, Southern Minnesota in Fairmont, Southern, Minnesota. Yeah,
0: Fairmont. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, having more than a decade's worth of experience in her field, she has taken her business building and team-engaging insights and has worked with CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, and authors. I'm all of those, I think. Um <laughs> Brittany is also the co-creator of the Ultimate Advisor Coaching and Ultimate Advisor Mastermind platforms. Her insights have been featured in national media outlets such as the Huffington Post, Women, Inc., and Forbes Magazine. Congratulations, by the way. Those are all great names. She has shared her expertise through her contribution to three published books and will continue on with her love for writing as she is set to publish two additional books in 2022. Have either of those come out yet?
1: Um, One of them launches in May and the other one sometime later this year.
0: Okay, super. That's amazing. Well, uh, I want to dig into that. As an influential speaker and author, Brittany Anderson has spoken at Million Dollar Roundtables, Raymond James National Conference, EWAS. What is that?
1: Uh, It's the Elite Wealth Advisor Symposium. Invitation only event, yeah. Oh,
0: nice. Uh, And others on showing up each day to be more than a title, more than a label and pursuing a life that fulfills their purpose. You can find out more about, uh, Brittany's company at sweetfinancial.com. Uh, her Facebook is Brittany And Instagram is the Brittany Anderson. I always like when people can get the, the <laughs> there's such a, there's like a provenance to it or something. And, um, LinkedIn, Brittany Anderson, I think, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's get this thing going. Uh, let's do it. So uh, let's start. How did it happen for you?
1: Yeah. So I uh, I grew up in a single parent household, and was raised primarily by my mom. Uh, she had myself and my brother to take care of for the majority of of her life, and obviously our young lives. And I'll say that. Uh, for me, I think I always kind of had this little entrepreneurial spirit within me. There was always something that was looking for ideas that was uh, always kind of chasing the shiny objects. So I think I had that squirrel condition from a young age. Uh, so I actually I, I ended up moving to Southern California, I lived with my dad for a while out there and started college and uh, truth be told, I was one of those that changed my major, I think four times the last time I counted, Uh, really trying to just settle into uh, what I wanted, what the future was supposed to hold and finally landed on business management. Uh, Coming out of college, I I actually had built my way up at a national jewelry jewelry chain. So I was managing a jewelry store while I was going to school. So full-time on all accounts. Again, I I like to stay busy. I've I've got an interest in everything. Um, And this job ad popped up. I knew that I didn't want to be in retail for forever, had some, some rumors heard about some locations closing within the big corporate structure, quickly realized I was not a corporate girl. I didn't love the latter. I didn't love some of the um, politics that came with it. So saw this ad and I was just drawn to it. It was something that I knew I had to work there. It was for, I believe it was like a client service position, uh, had never really been in, uh, obviously that type of a setting. I had worked for, I think a real estate company in high school. I worked for, uh, a couple of attorneys back in high school too, uh, but just something drew it. And now looking back, I think it was the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial energy that I could feel behind that ad. So that was when I got hired by Sweet Financial, what was services at the time, started in client service, uh, quickly realized I missed the leadership component. So uh, moved up the ladder, which there's a funny story I can share after a while there, uh, but moved up the ladder, was in the director of operations, then became the COO, then became the president and one of the partners with three other awesome partners that are here. And through that have worked really closely with the founder, who is also the uh, proverbial squirrel chaser, entrepreneur, has many, many interests, uh, several businesses. And he and I have really been working closely together to kind of get to all those cool things you talked about before with the speaking and the writing and the businesses and the coaching and all of that. So that's really how it happened for me.
0: So really cool there. Um, Before we get to the funny ladder story, I want (laughs) to go back to this, um, you know, as a kid sort of chasing shiny objects, can you give us some examples of what you remember about the, yeah. the objects you chased back then?
1: Yeah, I, I was that kid that I was always interested in making money. And, and I think a big part of it comes from uh seeing my mom struggle. You know, she was doing it on her own. And I remember there's this one time where I was in the kitchen at our house at the time, and I could see straight into her bedroom, and she was sitting on her bed and she was crying over her checkbook. And that moment in time sticks out to me, even to this, to this day, I'm in my you know mid to late thirties now. And that, that moment really still, uh, it's a moment of impact for me where I looked at that and I was like, gosh, like, I don't want to be in that position. And I don't want to have, you know, somebody else's choices or decisions negatively impact my path. So I, I think that's a little bit of what contributed to it. So I was picking up Paper routes uh, at eleven years old, babysitting jobs. I mean, I was one of the youngest babysitters, like full time babysitters, mm. uh, that, that was out there. I was creating lemonade stands. My brother and I would set something up at the end of the driveway. My mom would come home and be like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> uh, we would try to do car washes. Like that was something that I I wanted to do. So I'd put like these signs, and then I'd figure out that let's position them on a different corner because that'll maybe get us some better traction and and get us more people. And I'm in this tiny town of you know ten thousand people. People. And, um, yeah, so, so it was just all those things that I was always looking for ways to help people mowing lawns uh, again, when you, when you're young and you're in a rural area, you, you just kind of try to figure it out. But those are the things I was always looking for something to do and something to generate income for myself.
0: What was the name of the newspaper that you uh, had? to it, with?
1: it was the photo press. The photo mm-hmm. press, the Fairmont photo press, oh, yeah. Nice. And and what's interesting is, um, so this paper has been around. It's it's a local paper, uh, been around for forever. And I remember that on my deliver for my deliveries, I made two dollars and ten cents. And sometimes I would get like $4 if I made extra deliveries or there was an insert or something. So, uh, that, that sticks out.
0: <laughs> Did you, have, I, I'm curious, cause I was also a paper person. Did yeah. you have to collect and do all of that as well? Or was there a, was this no. a, okay.
1: Nope, I didn't have to collect. Um, fortunately, okay. I just had to, you know, traipse through two feet of snow and ice and all those, you know, like your grandparents say, they walk yeah. uphill both ways to school. I can kind of say that a little bit to my kids uh, about the paper route.
0: <laughs> Every generation says that, I think, to their kids because you can be fooled for a while. So you might as well. And then take they get smart. Yeah. <laughs> this move that you made to, to be with your father in California, what brought that about?
1: You know, being a, a and young, how old were you? I was let's see, I was fifteen. So 15, I had been, okay. yeah. And, and I'll give a little bit of background there. So my parents, uh, they divorced when I was almost five, uh, we had actually lived, I was born in Southern California. Uh, my mom had her sister here in Southern Minnesota. So she packed up my brother and I, and okay. we hiked across country and, um, you know, being a, a teenager, I was curious about what Southern California could provide for a young board kid
0: wow. and Fairmont, oh. Minnesota versus come on. <laughs>
1: I mean, the (laughs) cornfields and the bean fields are wonderful at the age I'm at now, when I have kids my own and I'm trying to keep them hurtled. Um, but, but, you know, at that time, I I thought that might be kind of fun and interesting. And, um, so I, my dad still lived out there. So that was kind of my, my end to go check things out and see what it was all about. Um, Also, I was always and have always been a very uh, futuristic thinker. Actually, one of my strengths on Strength Finder is futuristic. And Mm -hmm. I had it in my head that I wanted to get into the UC system. Uh, So college, University of California, insert name of city, right? There's UCLA, UC San Diego, UC Riverside, UC Santa Monica, UC Berkeley, UC whatever. So I knew that if I lived there and could show proof of residency for a period of time, that uh, I would get it a lot cheaper. So I was again, that kid that was thinking ahead a little bit and I knew that's what I wanted and there was no guarantee, but fortunately I did end up getting into their system and went to UC Riverside for the first few years of school. So how
0: (laughs) how much different was it for you to live with your, with your dad and as opposed to living with your mom and your brother?
1: Um, it was very different. And actually my brother did come out there with me as well. Oh, so you
0: both went, okay.
1: Yeah, we both went. Um, I know that was devastating to my mom and really, really hard for her to, you know, she had us all the time and then she kind of went to a sudden empty nest, but, uh, you know, for me, it, it was, it was different. Um, you know, I, I don't know, my dad was able to kind of be the parent from afar and there's like the dog and pony show that goes with visiting in the summers and all of that. And then reality hits when you get there and it's like, well, wait a second, he can't be the, you know, the fun, cool parent, you know, all the time. And, um, yeah, so that was, it it was, it was tough, honestly, it was, it was really tough. And I think Mm -hmm. we're all kind of navigating the change and, and, and what that looked like and, uh, starting a new high school at 15 years old in Southern California was very hard. Uh, it was real tough for me, at least to kind of find my way and figure out, you know, new friends and and what that looked like. And I think that was part of why I always worked as much as I did too. Um, I was chomping at the bit. High school was kind of boring for me. So I, I just wanted to get the heck out of there. I wanted to go on to full independence. And I tried that from a pretty young age. I mean, I was really striving to create my own future.
0: And did the kids in your high school treat you like a Californian because you'd been there before that they, they see you as a sort of a podunk from <laughs> somewhere in the middle of the country. How did. How, I was the girl.
1: I was the girl that was probably like the weird dressed because I was wearing like doc Martin shoes and a brown leather belt. And what yeah. I thought was cute jeans and like a fun purple top. And I literally remember the outfit I wore on the first day of school, which is so weird. Cause it just popped in my head. Um, but I, know. I, I would say that I was not received as necessarily one of them, um, even though I did have that tie initially, but as with anything in life, it was probably myself not feeling like one of them. So, you know, you kind of put up much of that, right? Yeah. I I think that's that we do that as adults too. So, um, you know, I think you kind of put up that, that barrier a little bit and, you know, it can be tough to break through.
0: It is amazing. Isn't it Brittany, how you tell yourself stories that you believe Mm -hmm. without, without any real evidence that they're true. Yeah.
1: You know, what's the, what's the adage or the saying that says something like, just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. And that really makes you pause, right? Like, cause I think so many, so many times, uh, you know, you've got thoughts racing through your head, you've got a million things going on and you believe with conviction because it's your own reality. Uh, my stepdad, he told me one time, he's like, you know, he's like for every situation, there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth. <laughs> and I think that ties into, you know, the narrative that you play in your head and the truth that you tell yourself. So, sure. yeah.
0: And, and now you are, is your mom still living close to you then? Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So I ended up moving back to Southern Minnesota. Um, I was, let's see, I was about 20 years old and decided to finish college out here, transferred schools and yeah, yep. Yep. And I was fortunate because that jewelry chain that I worked for, they had a location that was about 45 minutes from where I bought a house. Um, you know, rent in California was way more expensive than what a mortgage costs in Southern Minnesota. Uh, again, weird, but there you go. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a really great move. And I just knew again, that future brain, I can't shut it off. I knew that someday I wanted a family. I knew that someday I wanted to kind of settle down and, and have that life. And the hustle and bustle that was California just wasn't, it wasn't right. It wasn't right for me.
0: And you sort of just skated by it, but you moved back <laughs> as a 20 year old college student and you bought a house.
1: Yeah. So
0: you're a saver too.
1: Yes. Um, I maybe I'm a little obsessive or was at the time. Um, you know, and I think it goes back to just really trying to create my own future and maintain that independence. Um, I remember at one point in time when I was getting ready to go to school and I had a little bit of you know, you're, it's a little scary, right? You're going to go and you're going to live in the dorm. And then I was going to get an apartment and it's yeah. you're on your own. And as much as I wanted it, it was scary. And I remember my dad one time saying like, ah, oh, I give it a year and you're probably going to want to move back home. And I was like, <laughs> a challenge accepted, challenge,
0: yep, sure. never
1: coming back, <laughs> not going to do that. So I, yeah, I, I guess I've just always been one of those people that's wired that way, where you know, you tell me I can't do something. I'm going to show you that I can and, or do everything in my power that I can. And also just creating that independence has been huge for me.
0: And what was it, you know, what was it that made him right? But a couple of years off when you decided to move back, what happened?
1: Um, so he was talking about moving back to like his house.
0: Oh, oh. I thought he meant moving back to Minnesota. No, okay, my, my, no, well, no, no, no. Regardless, yeah. the question is still valid. Yeah. What made you move back?
1: There was, there was just a combination of things. You know, I had uh, a lot of things going on in my personal life that I just, I didn't feel like I was in the right space at school. You know, I joke about changing majors how many times. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and, you know, it was one of those things where, and I, you know, I kind of laugh about this. I liken Like we deal a lot with retirees in our business, but I I liken it back to the high school kid. And you're at this point and you're 18 years old and people are like, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? What? (laughs) Same thing at retirement. Like, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? I don't know. I just came off of this. Like I'm just living with my parents or, oh, I just worked 40 years in a job. It's like these two parallels that I think, people expect so much out of you when you're like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I'm hoping that I can afford to be on my own. I'm hoping that I can make this work. I hope I can make good decisions. Um, so yeah, so for me, it was some personal things that I had going on. And again, I was looking at it and I was going, I am paying, you know, X dollars a month in rent. I'm having to kill myself working so many hours and, uh, was in a a position there where I felt like I didn't have a whole lot of room to move. Uh, I really wanted a commission position at the jewelry store I was at, and it just wasn't open there, uh, where I found out that the one in Minnesota ironically was, and then liken that to having this house come up for sale that was almost ideal, exactly what I wanted. It was significantly less per month than what my rent was. And um, you know, it just, the stars kind of aligned and I came out here and I started at a different college and totally landed into their business management program. Loved it. Loved the professors, uh, felt completely confident around it. Uh, that's where I ended up getting my degree from. And I fully believe everything happens maybe not for a reason, but with purpose. And that's why I found out about sweet financial, which is where I'm at today. So again, it's that whole chain of events.
0: You said um this thing about, you know, when you graduate from high school, people are like, what are you gonna do? What are you, you know? <laughs> and then when you retire, people are asking you, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. And it's it that struck me because I'm 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 giving the commencements uh address at a at a high school later uh-huh. this year. And one of the things that I was writing down when I was sort of prepping for it was this, you know what you going to study what you going what are you going to be you know because mm. that's a question that people ask all the time what's it's so much so that i'm sure you get sick of hearing it when you're a graduate or when you're <laughs> a retiree but the thing that really struck me about it and i'd like to get your perspective on this is it's a, it's a sort of a question we've been conditioned to to ask and we've sort of been conditioned to get an answer to. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have like a great answer, it's kind of like, you know, people, they don't, you know, they just kind of, you know, give you one of these looks, you know, but <clears throat> there are so few people in the world, I think who actually know what they want to be, even if they're mm-hmm. in the middle of some career they've had for a long time or whatever. And I just think it's a, do you would you agree with that? It's from your experience. Yeah.
1: I I agree with that a thousand percent. And actually, um, the founder Brian sweet and I, we, we've joked about this before where, you know, we'll kind of say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, well, yeah, you know, still. cause right. I, I'm still learning and I'm still growing. And I think that is just so much pressure to put on a young person to, cause you're right. I mean, somebody asks them or asks you, you're, you know, you're 17, 18 years old and they're saying, well, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? Uh, what do you want? And if they don't know the immediate reaction is, Ooh, are they going to make it? Are they going to yeah. be okay? Right. And changing the narrative on that to be like, you know what? There is so much possibility in the world. Don't lock yourself into something. You know, for me, I I think about when I started college, I wanted to go into psychology, not necessarily because it was what I wanted, but I had an older cousin who that was her path. And you know, at the time I really looked up to her and she was like a role model of mine. And so I'm looking at her going, Well, wow, she's making that work or she did make that work. So that's something I can do that too. And I think kids are so young and so impressionable, even if you know you don't want to think you are at that age, you are. Um, and so for me, it's like I had to figure out my own path. And I think that we need to give kids in particular permission to figure out their own path and to be absolutely a hundred percent. Okay. If you don't know what you want to do, that's okay. Because you might get to, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and still change course
0: Yeah, 18.
1: You don't have to have all the answers,
0: but you know, what's interesting about that is you since we've been talking, I think maybe four or five times, you've mentioned the future, your future. (laughs) And for someone that, and I guess I want to explore a little bit about what you mean when you say that. Um, But also like with what you just said, it kind of like, you didn't seem like you, you didn't seem like you were built like that, even though you did end up making changes. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just wanted to sign of square that up with,
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll talk a little bit on uh, the future comments. So it kind of goes hand in hand with, you, you know, I think you have people that, are really fixated on the present i think you have some people that kind of live in the past you know that the past was where the fun was the past yeah. was where the greatness was the good old days the good old days right uh, and then you have the people that are constantly leaning into the future going what's next okay yep we hit this milestone but what's next or you know i started my family or i completed my family now what's next and, and that's a, a little bit of of where my head is at so you know i, I think about my husband who is very much a present Guy. Like he is, he's in the moment. He is very methodical in his actions and his thoughts. And I am like 25 years ahead. <laughs> And he, it's a good balance because he kind of brings me back to earth. Like Brittany, we got to be in the now a little bit here too. Whereas I bring him out into the future a little bit to say, Hey, let's, let's think a little bit ahead or let's, let's kind of dream big for, for what we want for our lives and what we're actually moving towards. So, you know, going back to the whole college and, you know, you're a little, or I was a little indecisive. I was always thinking about the future, but I think I was so fixated on this vision of contribution and impact. And I used to tell my friends and my family, like, I don't really know what it is. I just want to do something impactful. And they'd be like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know, but that's what I want to do. So I think it was just finding that course of where that impact lies. Right. And, And even now it's like business management you know, yeah, I'm in a leadership position, but at this point in my life, I believe everybody can be a leader regarding their, you know, regardless of their job title, uh, regardless of what success they've had. So I think even that, you know, it changes and it evolves. And just like anybody, you find new definitions of success, new definitions of fulfillment. I mean, it's, it's ever changing.
0: There's a real little book, short little book that I read years ago. That's called, I think the title is you don't need a title to be a leader. Um, hmm. And we used to give it to, or my partner used to give it to uh, a bunch of our team members because we were always sort of asking people to leave. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, People who live in the past. So people who live in the past can kind Mm -hmm. of be boring sometimes. And people who live in the future can kind of be a little annoying because it's hard (laughs) to keep up with them and living in the (laughs) present feels kind of like the right spot is like the comfy chair, you know, like I'm just enjoying the moment. Um, And the next moment will come and I'll enjoy that as well. So I can see how you Mm -hmm. and your husband have a sort of, you know, have a nice uh, blend there because it can be annoying to be around someone like you who's looking at the future. Sorry. I don't mean to (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, I've only known Hands you for a little down. bit here, but yes. Uh, I, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, it can. And, you know, I, I've said before too, that I think that's part of the reason that God blessed me with three beautiful babies, because it forces me, like I have to be present, right? Like yeah. they know if mom's head's not here, they're not dumb. <laughs> They, they call me out on it and they'll be like, mom, I'm talking to you, mom. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I truly feel like that's, that's why I have kids. They keep me present and in the moment and playful and all of those good things instead of taking things too seriously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And as long as we're on the family, I noticed that one of your daughters is named Jersey. And I thought yeah. I'd ask where that came from. How did you come up with that name?
1: Yeah. So, um, actually way back in the day when I was probably pre-teenage, there was this movie out and it was coyote ugly. And right. one of the girls in there, uh, they nicknamed her Jersey. And I always thought that was just a cool name. Like it was so fun. So ironically enough, um, my husband and I, we were expecting our, our first, uh, that's Jersey now. And I remember we're driving along in the car and he's like, Hey, I was thinking about names. What do you think about uh, the name Jersey? If she's a girl. And it was like the world stopped <laughs> Just like we have never talked about this before i had never breathed a word about that movie about my no i swear that's how wow. it happened so we literally like i just looked at him and i was like yes and i can't believe you just said that so it, hers she was the easiest out of all three of our kids uh she was the easiest to name it was just such a weird situation so again meant to be everything with purpose
0: <laughs> and you um i think last thing on on the family you're 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 still close with your mom and dad. They still, they, they make it work for you.
1: Um, it's, no. Um, oh, so my okay. mom, she lives locally here and we are close. Um, yes. my dad actually passed away, um, a few years ago and okay. he and I had a, a little bit of a tumultuous relationship and, things weren't, weren't great. Um, so that was, that was tough. And, and actually, uh, I was set to do, uh, I was in Florida <clears throat> and I was doing a presentation or set to do a presentation. Um, this was at one of those elite wealth advisor symposiums. Yeah. Um, I was, let's see, it was in the evening and I was scheduled. I was like the first one to present the next day. So I think it's eight o'clock in the morning or something. And, uh, found out, uh, that my dad passed away. And it was really tough because we hadn't talked in quite a while and a million things go through your head. And I found out in kind of an indirect way and it was just, it it hurt the whole thing hurt and I was devastated. And the crazy thing was, is part of this presentation, I was actually ending the talk with, uh, talking a little bit about my relationship with my dad and, how like, you know, the next time I do interact with him or I do see him that it's okay because you know, you don't harbor that. And sometimes you just have to make decisions for yourself to, you know, not spend time around people that behave in a certain way or that act a certain way. And uh, so literally not only am I losing my dad, but my whole entire end of my talk makes no sense now because I'm never going to see him again. And, uh, that, that was really tough. So I remember sitting down, um, Brian sweet, the founder here at sweet financial, he actually, he he's one of the partners in the symposium. And I sat down with him and I sat down with a couple other colleagues and uh, cried a little bit and just talked about like, what am I going to do? And, uh, you know, how am I going to show up for these people? And they basically said, Brittany, if you need to leave, like, this is okay. There's not a single person here. That's going to care. We will fill the spot. We'll figure it out. And I slept on it. And the next morning, I think it was like 4:30 in the morning. I woke up and I'm like, Nope, I'm changing the end of my talk. And if this story and me showing up for these people that I committed to, if I can influence even one person in that audience, then I, I showed up for good. So I did the presentation. I had grown men in tears and uh, by the end of it, I was in tears and it was like this beautiful moment where there was a standing ovation and and all of these crazy things. So um, yeah, unfortunately I don't, I don't have my dad around anymore, but um, you know, you heal and you grow and you take those moments and allow them to be. Uh, shaping moments, and it's like the late Sean Stevenson says or said, uh, "Life happens for you and not to you." So try to live by that every day.
0: How did you, Brittany? How did you change it? Like, oh. can, can you tell us? Can you tell me how you yeah. actually changed it? Because yep. what, what I find fascinating is that you were willing to talk to these strangers. I, I'm going to assume they're strangers or colleagues. Yeah. Yep. About this thing that you were going to do, but hadn't yeah. yet done and then this unfortunate timing here and the loss of your dad comes and then you you change it which is hard right and then yeah. you change it and you change it in such a way that it moves people and and you How, what did you do yeah. this is getting into the, like the you know writing and and crafting of yeah. uh, engaging yeah. people what did you do
1: so, uh, well, first of all, um, one of my, my, our business partners in the ultimate advisor coaching business, he got up with me early in the morning and he was like, Brittany, he's like, anytime you feel emotion. Cause I was like, I can't do this. I don't, I can't even breathe. Like, I can't breathe when I'm talking, how am I going to get through this? And he was like, it's state control. And he's like, in any time you feel yourself getting anxious, you get, you find yourself getting upset. You find the emotions boiling up. He's like, you just have to stop and walk right? Don't, don't get, be afraid of the silence. Don't be afraid of that Mm -hmm. pause, just walk. So as we're going through this, I decided to say, you know, in life we have plans and we have things that we think things are going to go a certain way. And then we have those moments where we're taught that we are not in control at all. And, you know, for me, it was that pivot from saying, Hey, I was going to talk to you about, you know, how sometimes you have to make tough decisions with, you know, people in your life that you might love them, but you just can't allow them into your life in certain capacities. And for me, I was going to tell this story about how brave I am and, you know, how this next time it's not going to matter. And I I've I've done the work and, you know, I've shown up for people and, and it's okay. And now I realize that that show up time is never going to happen again. So life is short and there's moments that happen that you can't control. And all you have to do is make a decision for yourself that you're not going to let these things throw you off course. You're going to bear up. You're going to breathe. You're going to move through it and everything's going to be okay. So that was, you know, the gist of the pivot. I think I probably blacked out at the end of it. (laughs) to know exactly the, the closing sentence, but that was the gist of it. It's like, man, things happen. Things are outside of your control and we got to pivot. That's part of life. That's part of entrepreneurship. That's part of, you know, being an adult, (laughs) either pivot or you don't.
0: And you, thanks for sharing that. But you, so when you moved from the jewelry store to sweet as a customer service, rep i guess yeah our client service did you did you think that was a when you took the job were you excited about the position or were you excited about the possibility or were you just de excited about the (laughs) uh, the (laughs) the jewelry experience
1: Probably all of the above. No, no, honestly, I think I was excited about the possibility, uh, you know, reading, and I I wish I could remember exactly how the job ad was, but it was just this super catchy intro paragraph about, you know, looking for somebody who's, you know, a shark for details and, you know, high energy and wants to be really part of a team, part of something bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just, it was just different. It was different than what was out there. Um, I found out that that's, a very methodical practice that there was purpose for how they wrote that job ad. They were really looking for a specific individual. Um, So I think it was the possibility because honestly, you know, paperwork and that, and we have people on our team who are rock stars at it for me. It's not my gig. And I learned that really, really quickly, actually, with joining the team. And um, I had put a bug in my operations manager's ear that's like, hey, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but I have an interest in what you do. And, you know, she had kind of been looking at moving away because she had grown kids in a different area of the country and, you know, not too far away, but far enough away to make it tough to kind of be in this area. And, Um, that's actually where the, the funny story I mentioned earlier. Um, so I was in client service, my direct supervisor, who was the one that was leaving. She knew I was chomping at the bit for something different. I needed a change. I needed some sort of pace shift.
0: How and far like, into it were you at this time? Just for Gosh, I minutes.
1: was probably, probably a couple years. Okay. Uh, Probably about two years into it. If, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, so, you know, I was young. I, I, you know, when I started here, I was 22 years old, fresh out of college. Uh, so I, I really wanted this operations role and, um, they hired a recruiter to find somebody and they're like, Going all like they're going up to Minneapolis. We're a couple hours south of Minneapolis, but they're going into the major cities like Des Moines. You've got Sioux Falls, you've got Minneapolis. You know, really trying to find this great A talent. Uh, they offered a Mercedes if somebody would relocate. And you have to understand, like we are literally uh, in in rural rural Minnesota. Like when I joke about like the cornfields and the bean fields, that's what's around us. Like we're a huge farming community, so you don't have a ton of young professionals in the area. So they go through all of this and the recruiter interviewed me just like they would interview any other candidate. Um, I you know, formally applied for it and she gave the interview and she goes back to Brian, the founder, and she's like, Brian, what are you doing? Just put Brittany in this role. Like she's absolutely cut out for it. And he had so much doubt. He was not about it. He really had not worked closely with me for the first couple of years. He was kind of that scary guy locked in his office all day that I didn't really know how to interact with just very professionally and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And we joke to this day because I never got a Mercedes in the deal.
0: <laughs> I was just going to ask you what color you picked, but what happened there? It was,
1: you know, it was I only have,
0: for someone who lived X number of miles away. Or? I
1: think it was like the experience or something oh, or okay, some relocation yeah, yeah. bonus. So I out. don't know. <laughs> Mm. So yeah, never never got that. Never got those four wheels. Brian swears up and down he's gonna just have one parked in the driveway someday. And I'm like, eh, I could think of a few other things I want first.
0: <laughs> so okay, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you taking us through that. I wonder because like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you join this firm. You don't you don't have experience as a I always wonder about joining a a you know, a financial services firm or a wealth advisory firm when you don't have, you know, practical experience and you may not be wealthy yet. So you just kind of, yeah, right? there's, yeah, there's, it's it, intimidating. I
1: mean, it is. And honestly, I mean, I came into it and you talk about like imposter syndrome. So they talk about that, you know, in your professional career, entrepreneurial, and you think like, who am I to be doing this or who am I to be, you know, teaching this or in yeah. this position or have this opportunity or whatever. I absolutely had that coming into this job and to be quite transparent every finance class, accounting class, like anything to do with the number side of of business, hated it, like Mm -hmm. loathed it in college, did what I could to get through those darn classes as fast as humanly possible. Economics, ugh. (laughs) it was just not me. So we joke to this day. I mean, I I say I'm not the numbers. We have brilliant people to handle that part of the business, to choose the investment strategies. I'm the people, I'm the vision, I'm the future. That's why I work so well with Brian, our founder, our true visionary. Um, that's, That's just something that absolutely gets my gourd, but you are right. Like coming into this field, this profession and trying to learn it I mean, I've been here for almost 14 years now, and I'm still learning. And our team, I mean, we got people here for over 20 years. They will say they are still learning. Uh, it's, it's never a dull moment in this industry.
0: And so take us through the, the journey. So, um, you know, starting client service, move to the operations role, you know, and now you're, you're president of the firm. That's in 14 years, that seems rapid to me, um, but there's got to be, yeah. so, so what went on?
1: Yeah. Um I, you know I I've I've been asked a question similar to this before and here's what I can back it into is uh a- after I got into the operations role I started working um, more and more closely with Brian and like I said he is the true entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I think I'm a future person he is like Light years ahead, gone, you know, way past me. And, you know, working closely with him and starting to get introduced to some of the uh, programs that he was involved with that really contributed to that entrepreneurial drive. So uh, I was probably, uh, gosh, I don't even think I was a full year into that ops role that I was uh, brought into a strategic coach. So a strategic coach, um, Dan Sullivan is the creator out of Chicago and Toronto. So I was going to Chicago once a quarter for actually what started as their team tools. And then I moved up into the team leads. And then I moved into the entrepreneurial class when I formally became a business owner in our coaching business and everything, because Brian and I are partners in the coaching business too. And, you know, when I think about that journey and that quick escalation and that move up the ladder, I honestly attribute it to just being surrounded with really, really bright minds, people that were and are today way smarter than I am, um, you know, huge thinkers and movers and shakers in the world. And, you know, Brian being that catalyst and putting me in front of those people and having the confidence in me to, you know, have me be part of that. Um, we joined Genius Network together about I think, seven years ago and just being able to, again, be around some of those bright entrepreneurial minds. I think that escalated my growth way faster than any like formal you know, education program or formal training could have done. And I really think that's what was the catalyst for that movement.
0: Hmm. And are you, are you at the point now in your career and in the, you know, the, the, the journey with, with sweet that you, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I, I do. Um, you know, Brian and I are actually, you know, sweet financial you know, we're very fortunate for the industry that we're in the, the business itself operates very much like a well-oiled machine. Uh, you know, we hire really great people, you know, it's funny. Cause I thought about this when, when you said, you know, you're, you're bringing people into the financial services, especially somebody with no experience. Um, you know, personally, I would hire somebody based on a cultural fit over, you know, 20 years of experience any day of the week. I mm-hmm. believe that for the most part, you know, except for very, very specialized roles, you can train somebody into just about anything. Um, but if you don't pull on a person's inherent strengths, if you're not hiring for your culture, for how they fit, then I think that's where things can kind of fall apart. Um, but yeah, so Brian and I are, um, looking forward into the future and building out. So we have, uh, a the dream architect, which is our trademark process at the office. Uh, that's something that Brian built. I mean, gosh, it's been probably 10, 11 years ago. Uh, that was something that caught my fancy real quick because I saw what his vision was and how he was really seeing how things are possible for people and how you can introduce you know, people who've accumulated wealth that don't spend it on the things that would Give them true fulfillment. And so we are working on a, a project there to really bring that to life and bring it to a larger scale, grand masses. And so that entrepreneurial venture is absolutely there and that spirit is absolutely there at this point.
0: Give me an example of someone who's, you know, not willing to spend it on, I can't remember exactly what you just said, but you know, fulfillment. Not, yeah. Fulfillment. What does that mean?
1: You know, it's interesting because um, you know, we've been really fortunate where we tend to work with people who are at that stage of life where they've accumulated wealth, right? They're wealthy individuals, um, seven, eight figure investors typically. And it's amazing at when you start having that conversation, because we often get to that point in life where there's been like a sale in a business and you have this transition, uh, you're retiring and leaving this lifelong career. And there's a transition. It was amazing at how many times people really didn't think through what they wanted. So they'll talk about, well, yeah, I want to travel or yeah, you know, I might want to get a place down South. It's cold here in the winter in Minnesota, or, you know, yeah, I want to spend more time, you know, going back and forth to my, you know, my kids, see my grandkids, but they -hmm. didn't really think about like, what do they really, really want? Like, what is something that would give them this sense of like passion and purpose and fire for the future, because what you don't want to see happen is somebody retire. And then they literally, you know, go out to pasture to kind of wait for their time to come. You know, we want people to have that fulfillment. And when we started seeing this common theme, regardless of how much money people had, you know, the the biggest mistake I think that we see people make is actually not spending their money, like not doing things. So, you know, I think about just being in some of these entrepreneurial groups, like you find out about these really cool opportunities or people that can get you introduced and get you to, um, you know, I don't know, get on stage with some singer that you want to, you, you've always dreamt of doing that. And it's really not that expensive. You just have to know who can help that help make that happen or, you know, front seats at some racetrack or, you know, horse races or, you know, some golf event or, you know, whatever it is. And there's things that people are like, well, yeah, that'd be really cool. But I, I wouldn't even dream of that. Well, you know, we know some of these people who can make that happen. So let us form, like facilitate this introduction so that you can truly do the things you want to do. And maybe don't just kind of coast because it's what people normally do in retirement. Uh, So those are the kind of things that we're really trying to help change the trajectory of what retirement looks like for people.
0: Okay. I have two questions on that. The first one is how do you get people to do that kind of thinking? Oh,
1: so we have um, different exercises that we actually bring people through just as part of our onboarding. So it's kind of like, um, uh, Robert Cialdini, his book, persuasion, you know, it's kind of setting the stage and getting people thinking in a different way. So they might come in thinking, "Yeah, I have money to invest, or, you know, I need to you know, do a rollover. Or, I got money to put in wherever and all that good stuff. So that may be their expectation coming in, but when they come through our onboarding process, they're realizing that we're asking those deeper questions. You know, we're asking the things that, that they don't get asked, right? Like we're putting ideas out there that they don't get to talk about in their normal circle of friends. Mm -hmm. So it's really us kind of pulling and helping them realize what's possible through that process. And it becomes very natural and it's, it doesn't feel, you know, they don't get their back against the wall. It's not like, we're like, what do you want to do? Well, you need to think bigger. It's, it's just, it's a soft process and it's conversation and it's listening and it's letting them speak to the things that matter to them. Um, and, and really it's, it's just making sure that we are, uh, giving them a space to speak freely about what truly gets them going. So that's, that's the answer to that.
0: Do you find in your experience, Brittany, that people value, however, they define legacy more than they value fulfillment for themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is such a great question. Um, I I think, yes. And, and this is where, uh, we've gotten into conversations internally as a team too you know, legacy is such a big word. And and I think there's so many different definitions. You know, we have some people, when we go through this exercise, go through the dream architect and we're peeling back the layers and we're getting to the core of what they want. There are truly people that are like, you know what? I want to be able to take my grandson fishing every weekend. And I wanna create a foundation that takes care of, you know, this type of demographic. And I want to, um, you know, spend a ton of time with my wife, And, you know, my kids and whatever, or, or, you know, you get people and that's true fulfillment to them. Like there's nothing you can do. You could put some really cool, like shark diving activity in front of them. And they're like, I have no interest, (laughs) you know, parachuting, not for me, Uh, Mm -hmm. some grand event, not for me. So there's people that absolutely have different levels and different definitions of fulfillment. We're just trying to help get to the core and help them define. Because if you're not intentional with it, it's just like anything in life. Like it's gonna just happen. Whereas if you're intentional and you put that path and you know, you set deadlines for yourself and you set timelines and you involve the people that matter to you and you get them to have the conversation with you, that's different. And that helps set you up for success. So yes, legacy, so many different definitions and it absolutely taps into fulfillment.
0: I, I, th- I often think that, people value legacy more than anyone else does. Like they feel like their legacy is going to mean something to the world after they they're gone. And I think it's a great thought and it would be great if that were true, but I think more often than not, people just, you know, you life, life goes on, like you Mm -hmm. said, with your dad and life goes on and you're gone and it doesn't matter how much money you left to whatever you know, yeah, I just, I wonder about it because I, I feel like I sometimes feel like people who spend a lot of time thinking about legacy are, maybe they're not, maybe they could be using that time better. Mm. Um,
1: you know, I, I, I agree with you and here's, I think here's a tie back for it, because I think sometimes people could get almost their are their guard up or their arms up about a comment like that, right? Like, well, yeah, you're, you're sure. gone, you're gone, right? Like and people are gonna be like, well, what do you mean? I'm an important person. <laughs> people are gonna talk about me still. So I liken it to, to this. It's like, you know, we have conversations with our clients, sometimes people that get super, super hung up on, you know, leaving some certain amount to their kids or, you know, leaving some grandiose amount to some charity that really matters to them. And it's like, here's the deal. Like, we want you to do those things too. Like, if that's what you want and that's, what's meaningful, that's great, but not at the sacrifice of yourself not because you think that's going to carry something forward for you. Like, yes, there is a certain, you know, there's a certain balance and, you know, sometimes that's really meaningful, but, but I think that's right. And, you know, sometimes people, um, shortchange themselves and shortchange Mm -hmm. that time of their lives because they do get so fixated on the legacy component. Um, so I, I probably leave, use the term legacy synonymous with, um, Oh gosh, I can't even think of a good correlation here, but you know, legacy, some, uh, similar to kind of your purpose, right? Like the things that you're doing or how you're, you're choosing your path, but legacy truly is, it's, it's what you leave behind. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting, interesting thought. And I think it's a fair comment.
0: The, um, the coaching that you do, it, that's got me kind of fascinated. So you, in the bio, we mentioned coaching and we mentioned yeah. the mastermind and, I'm wondering what I see. I mean, I, I, in, in a lot of it, in a lot of industries, mm-hmm. there's really no coaching inter industry coaching, like sharing and collaboration coaching. Yeah. But it sounds like in, in you've sort of figured out a way to do, I'm assuming you're working with financial planners. Yep. Is that correct? Okay. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I'd like to see more of this in more industries. So tell me how you, you and you and you and Brian got this started, and how you get over or get past the uh, competition mm-hmm. thing. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's a, a big thing. That's a big part to overcome. So, uh, actually, that same conference I spoke uh, about where I had that whole thing happen with my dad and all of that. Yeah. So, I spoke at that conference, and um, Dre Redfern, uh, Redfern Media, he spoke at that conference. We had met Dre, we had engaged with him within Sweet Financial. He had done some work for us, he became a really good friend. Um, and we uh, after that conference wrapped after mine, and then after Dre's presentations, so many advisors came up to Brian and they were like, how do I get a Brittany? And how do I get a Dre? And we just kind of laughed about it. Like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you just implement what we talked about, and then you've got it all right there. So actually from that conference, Brian Dre and I sat down and we're like, hey, this is a this is a room filled with uh, not just your average advisor, these are high level thinkers, these are invitation only. There's billions and billions of dollars in assets under management total that that these people take care of in this room, and they're seeing value in these couple of presentations. So what do we have here? Um, mm-hmm. you know, Brian and his his partner in the conference, Randy Carver, um, they have, I mean, the the conference they put on is absolutely amazing. It is second to none. It is so high quality, so high class. Um, but they're like, well, we've got this going over here, but that doesn't really carry forward into like the full year. How do you, you know, give people like, let them drink from the fire hose continually. And how do you bring like-minded people together? So that's really where the coaching started. Um, we reached out to some of the people that wanted additional help and, Uh, Dre and I put together a course that was really simple to follow, but it brought together kind of all concepts. So it brought together the marketing, it brought together like the team engagement and the culture build that I focus on. And we, we sat there and we go, this is literally how you run a well oiled practice. You know, Brian, having been in the industry for, you know, 40 plus years, you know, we took his just kind of like that practice management, that business, the running the business mindset, and we built this full course. Um, we got some group coaching going, and it was really through referrals and word of mouth that it started to build. And people got through these courses, got through a couple summits that we put on, and they're like, Okay, what's next? (laughs) We're not ready to be done, but you're done with us. So we sat, you know, got back together and said, "Let's let's do the mastermind. Let's give this a shot. Let's bring again these like-minded people together multiple times a year." And that's really how it's evolved. And uh, recently, we've kind of pushed pause a little bit on the program to do some restructuring. So going into 2020 now or 2022 now, um, we are focusing heavily on the actual like implementation and execution because I think. You know, everybody goes to a conference, you, you know, listen to a podcast, you, you know, attend a webinar, whatever that looks like you get a million great ideas, but when are you going to implement them? And how often do you actually implement the things you want to do? So that's a strong suit for ours at the office at sweet financial. So we thought, well, let's teach that to other advisors. Um, the whole thing with competition, we have a vetting process actually. So anybody that has an interest in coming into the mastermind, they have to talk to actually one of us partners right now. Um, we want to make sure that they are collaborative in nature, that they're not ones that are just going to come in and take, 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 and not give, give, give. Um, you know, we want people to feel like they have a space that they can be raw. They can be transparent. They are safe, (laughs) that they can talk about the challenges and the opportunities all at the same time. So it's, it's very well cultivated to make sure that we get a players, we get quality people and we get people that just want to learn and grow together. Um, but it's, yeah, you have to do the vetting because there's absolutely people we've turned down because they'll make weird comments about not really wanting to share or not feeling totally comfortable or whatever that looks like, but you, you really, you have to have a good vetting process.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Limiting mindset or not an abundance mindset, probably not a good fit for. Amen. And do mm-hmm. people, do you coach, do people participate from all over the country or? yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. All over the country. Um, actually with the new structure that we've put in place, um, we actually, we meet three times a year virtually in a virtual setting. Uh, we have twice per month group coaching calls. So people dial into those to kind of get their intermediary things taken care of. Uh, we have accountability coach check-ins. So, you know, Instances where they have a quick powwow they need to have to be like, okay, what what are you focusing on for this month? What's your commitment? What are you going to achieve in the next how many days? How are you going to get that done? Who are you going to delegate to? That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, And just making sure that they're moving forward. And then they actually do get to go to the um, conference, the invitation only conference that Brian and Randy put on, um, which is a pretty cool perk because that's very limited seating and you have to meet certain requirements. So it forces us to be you know, pretty dead on with who we're trying to attract within the mastermind as well. So that's really the program overall.
0: Neat. And how about clients? Do you work with clients? from anywhere, all over the place? Yeah, or...
1: yep. Our advisors um, see clients from all over. Um, we have actually a couple clients in different parts of, of the world too. They all have ties back to the United States. We're originally from the area, but um, yeah, you know, I, I think we have for many, many years uh, had clients and I think what's been trending is around 37, 38 states. Uh, That's been even before uh, I guess the the 2020 incident where everybody went virtual and and Mm. zoom. So we were fortunate to be a little ahead of the game there where our clients have always been comfortable with that. Uh, So we were able to continue business as usual in that regard and, and continue serving people. So yeah, where you can be wherever and work with sweet financial.
0: So let's finish up with your writing, if you don't mind. So you've got two books coming out in 2022 and you've been a part of three others, how did you get started with writing? Cause I didn't hear any writing in your, uh, yeah. in your, uh, earlier. And maybe we just didn't, maybe you kept a journal or something and you've been writing all this time, but we didn't yeah. talk about it.
1: Yeah. So, um, I go back to actually, it was about third grade. I think it was, and we had a, a teacher who you could tell she was just really big on reading and writing. Like I felt like the whole entire year was focused on that, but we got to do this thing where you would write your own book. And then you got a couple pieces of cardboard and uh, wallpaper and you wrapped it up and you published your books. I would go crazy with that. I mean, I would come home with, you know, five books to everybody's one. And it was just something that I was kind of obsessed about. I loved writing. I loved putting thoughts to paper. And, you know, in third grade, it's like, My bunny, that's what the title is, or my grandpa or whatever. Um, So, so yeah, I did do that at a young age and I always kept like a diary or a journal and, and always just wrote down my thoughts. It was just kind of one of those things that came naturally to me, I guess. It's just writing is easier for me to uh, really get clear and concise thoughts out on paper and fully and eloquent. Um, That was something that was just easier to me at the time than speaking in front of uh, groups, actually. Okay. So, um, fast forward and talking to Brian and I were in a conversation at one point and I told him, I've always wanted to write a book. And he's like, well, what are you waiting for? If you want to write a book, let's do a book. Let's do it. I'm like, wait, you just write a book. That's just how it happens. He's like, yeah, let's, let's, let's make this happen. So he actually, I found out had a passion. He'd always wanted to write a book too. You know, that was something is part of his kind of uh, success targets. So that was part of our, our first two were actually together. Um, we did a journal that we created that was, you know, not sitting down and writing a book, but it was still producing something of, of value and content. And we wrote, um, dare to dream design their retirement. You can't wait to wake up to that was our first book that we did together along with another associate in the office here. Um, you know, we clunked our way through it, but it was a really cool experience. And, you know, for me, I just kind of fell in love with the whole process and, you know, being able to put something, you know, so small, but so valuable out into the world and see it actually impact people and impact them over and over and over again. And year over, year over year, like that's the beauty of a book is yeah, it, cool. Yeah. You just, it doesn't ever die. Right. Unless you have a super time-bound topic, which isn't super common these days. Um, that's just, that that's where it all started. So yeah, now we're up to this point and got two more coming out this year.
0: And what are they, what are those going to be about?
1: So the one that's releasing um, coming up here shortly, um, that one is uh, Dream Architecture, and the whole focus is really where money and mindset meet. So one thing with Sweet Financial, like we have, we have a podcast and we put out a ton of content and whatever else, but you're not really going to hear us talk about returns or fancy investment strategies or whatever. Like that's what we have the talented people behind the scenes. What we want to talk about is where's your, where's your focus? Are you looking at the things you can control? Are you really leaning into what fulfillment means to you? Are you focusing on your dreams? You know, where, who are you spending your time with? You know, we're the product of the five people we spend the most time with. Well, what's your circle look like? So those mm-hmm. are the types of things we're putting in there and then tying it back to the money component. Um, so making sure like you're putting your money to work for you and you're making decisions that are for you and for your family and aren't influenced outside, um, and really putting together kind of that, that collaboration of money and mindset and creating and putting a plan in place. Uh, and then later this year, I'm really excited about this one. Um, I have a whole passion to really help career focused women who have a burning desire to put that impact into the world, but also are raising small families at home and don't want to feel like they have to sacrifice one for the other. So that's the whole premise of this book is really helping women manage that juggle struggle, um, feel like they can achieve the perfect imbalance. Cause I don't think work-life balance exists, um, but achieve that perfect imbalance so that they can feel like they can have both and not have to sacrifice one for the other.
0: I like the juggle struggle. I, I hadn't heard that before. That's good.
1: Yeah. So the only term I could think of that really truly explains it.
0: <laughs> so let me see if I got this straight. So you got, yeah. you got hired for this promotion to the operations role or the one after, uh, yeah, I think it was that one. And you didn't, you didn't get the Mercedes. And then thanks to you, Brian Sweet actually wrote his (laughs) first book. You know, I mean, I don't know what else. I can't
1: wait for him to listen to this. I'll love that.
0: (laughs) I mean, that guy owes you big time.
1: The heck? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's too yeah. funny. You, you know, it, it we joke about this stuff all the time, but it, you know, I, I can honestly say he has been such a powerful mentor for me. And, you know, we really, we feed off each other and, and it's that positive energy and it's just so exciting. It's like, it's so fun when you meet people that are equally as excited to create really great stuff and help a ton of people in the similar capacities, like there's just nothing better than that. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to, I'm totally gonna tell them that one.
0: (laughs) Well, Brittany, it's been so much fun getting to know you. I'm so glad we got introduced and that we've had this opportunity to spend an hour together. Um, really like what you're doing, um, really like you, and I'm just really excited about your future.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: Because I know it's going to be very big as well as the future of everyone that works with you, I'm sure will be impacted positively based on what you've been sharing today. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It is my great pleasure to be here with you and I am so appreciative of the opportunity.